Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. What's up? My name is Joe Boone. I'm the campus director for STUMO at the University of Arkansas, and I'm excited to talk about leaders who last. A few years ago, I got to get on a, an old fighter jet, and it was impressive. It was a complicated machine with way too many buttons and switches that I had no idea what they did, but I know for sure they make this plane perform things in the air that I would be terrified to do. The dashboard has gauges that would give you knowledge of direction, altitude, pressure, and much, much more. And while it was really impressive, it had no power to fly. The engine was not in working condition, so even if a top pilot sat in that seat, it wouldn't fly. Christian leaders can sometimes be the same way. They can be highly skilled in ministry, tons of biblical knowledge, but if they don't have godliness, they're not going to last long. And see, this term godliness, it doesn't show up very often in the Bible, but the idea is all over the place. In the New Testament, a book called Titus, it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. The New Testament, it tends to describe godliness as an attitude toward God that results in actions that are pleasing to Him. So for a Christian to be described as godly would be the greatest compliment because that would mean that your life is marked by obedience to God. Another way that it's talked about is having Christ-like character. That's a, so that term, godliness and Christ-likeness, it can really be used interchangeably in this workshop. So when I use those terms, just know I'm talking about the same thing. The interesting thing about Christian community is the majority of people get elevated in leadership, put on stage or on a podcast because of things that are other than their godliness. All too often, people get elevated in Christian leadership these days because of the skills they possess. Either they're good at sharing their faith or speaking, or they're just generally good with people. Another reason people get elevated is because of their knowledge that they have. They know a lot about the Bible. They can quote scripture, talk about a theological topic, or even debate them. The issue with both of these things, skills and knowledge, is they're both easily acquired. When you look through the New Testament at what is expected for Christian leaders in the church, you can find those in 1 Timothy and Titus and a few other places, but the vast majority of what is said about the character of a Christian leader, rather than the skill or the knowledge of the Christian leader, that's what matters to God. That's not to say that we shouldn't try to get better at ministry skills or try to learn as much as we can about God in the Bible. They just play second fiddle to character when God is choosing his leaders. But godliness, it, it doesn't just happen. Godliness comes to those who work for it. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says this, Train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. For godliness, for, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the few, present life and also for the life to come. Godliness is valuable. For a Christian leader, it gives you staying power. And so many leaders in the church today, they quit, 
They give up or they disqualify themselves, whether it be pastors, parachurch leaders like a Stumo staff person, or they're just lay leaders in the church. The dropout rate is high. And it's not because they're unskilled or unknowledgeable, but instead it's due to unchristlikeness and ungodliness. Godliness comes to those who train for it. And just like any other fitness goal that you have, there's no quick fix or shortcuts. It comes from a lifestyle of training and discipline. So today we're going to talk about how to train yourself for godliness because that's how leaders last. First thing you need to train yourself for godliness, the first necessity is you need a coach. And his name's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's your guide. Without the help of God, you will never grow in godliness. 1 Corinthians 2, 11-16 says this, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understand, understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Without a relationship with God, it is impossible to grow in godliness. When you begin a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you, makes his home within you. That's what this scripture is talking about. It's saying, if you want to, to grow in godliness, the Spirit is a prerequisite for you. You can't know and understand spiritual truths without the Spirit living within you. It's folly to someone. It's foolishness to someone who doesn't have the Spirit of God living within them. There's a fad going on right now with flipping houses. You know, the person who purchases that home will come in, see the potential of the home, even if it looks like it's falling apart. They would completely renovate the home Make it look like new so that it can function well and serve the owner in ways. And the Holy Spirit does something similar. God purchased you by the blood of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is a kind of DIYer. Like he comes and takes up residence within you and starts his renovation of your heart. You need a coach, the Holy Spirit. But you also need a spiritual leader. Having a spiritual leader is so helpful to try to grow in godliness. They can point out things to you that you would never see on your own. You can learn from their mistakes and someone give you input into areas that you're weak in. In John chapter, chapter 10, Jesus, he's, he's telling his disciples that he is the good shepherd and his followers are his sheep. And, and he says this, The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Later in the book, Jesus says that he is about to depart and go back to the Father, but he's leaving us something better, a helper that will guide us. 
And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. We don't have Jesus standing right next to, next to us now, but we do have the Holy Spirit living inside of us if you're a true follower of him. God speaks to us today, but we've got to learn how to hear his voice. Now, this might not connect with everyone, but I grew up playing sports. I played basketball, football, baseball, soccer, golf. And when I was on the field, if the entire stadium was going nuts, screaming as loud as they could, somehow in the midst of that chaos, I could hear and recognize my dad's and my mom's voice out of all of it. It wasn't that they were louder than anyone else. I just simply learned to hear their voice. Our lives are chaos most of the time. You know, schoolwork all the time, thoughts about the future, our social life, love life, conflict with friends, family difficulties, and much, much more. There is chaos all around. And somehow, we're supposed to hear God above all that other noise that's going on in our life. So the second thing, the second necessity for training in godliness is learning to hear the Holy Spirit's voice and submit yourself to his coaching. A great resource to check out if you want to learn how to hear God's voice is Hearing God by Dallas Willard. I love that book. I, I read it every other year because it's been so foundational for me learning how to hear the voice of God. And you know, many times the reason we don't hear God's voice and submit to it is that we don't want to. If you've ever had a coach before, you know that when you go into training, it's going to be tough. You'll have to do some things that you don't want to do. You will experience pain in the moment. I love what Hebrews 12, 11 says. It says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And right before this verse, it says that God disciplines us so that we might share in His holiness. You see, godliness comes to those who have been trained by it. God disciplines us. He's training us so that we become holy, we become godly, become like Him. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be painful. If you get trained by it, you can experience that and become godly. By general principle, if you want to know what God wants you to do, do the hard thing. Growth in godliness has no shortcuts. No quick fixes. It takes tons of effort and attention. It takes the willingness to hear what God says and submit to it, no matter what you have to endure in order to grow. In regard to your spiritual leader, Hebrews 13, 7 says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. God speaks to us through spiritual leaders. We must be willing and eager to listen to the instructions of those who have gone before us and submit ourselves to their care and training so that we can grow as much as we possibly can. Hey, with the person next to you, I want you to think about this and talk about this. Describe a time that you were challenged, exhorted, rebuked, or corrected by God or a spiritual leader. Then how did you respond? And what were the results that came from it? Discuss that with someone next to you.
Okay, so far we've talked about the first two necessities for training in godliness. You've got to have a coach, the Holy Spirit, a spiritual leader. And you've got to learn to listen and submit to that coaching. The next necessity for training in godliness is memorization and meditation on the Word of God. Most people know about memorization because we do it in school. But meditation is not as common, and there's some confusion about what meditation is. Because when some people say meditation, they think of clearing the mind or a relaxation technique. But Christian meditation is altogether different. Instead of emptying or clearing the mind, Christian meditation is about filling your mind with truth from the Bible. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Bible says that we can transform our minds. The Apostle Paul, who said these words, he, he knew that we could change our minds, just like modern science has proven that we can transform our minds by neuroplasticity. You're not a fixed person. You can change. You can become a different person tomorrow by the habits that you do today. Mental repetition, it has the ability to change the chemistry of your brain. I've heard it said that neurons that fire together, wire together. That's how your, your thought process play out. They Mental repetition has the ability to change your brain chemistry. I've heard it said neurons that fire together, wire together. So if you're an anxious person or an angry person or, or an overly critical person, Meditating on Scripture can change the way that you act in those areas. But many people say that they don't know how to meditate, and I disagree. Think about this for a second. Do you know how to worry? Okay, I would say that you know how to meditate. Because Christian meditation, it takes that same pattern of thinking that simply changes the subject of what you think about. When you worry, you play out all the possible worst-case scenarios. You think, if I continue to not study for this test, I may get an even worse grade, or I may have to drop the class, putting me behind in school, and maybe even graduation, and then I won't get the best job that I could possibly get. My parents may stop paying for school if I drop this class, meaning I would have to pick up some more student loans and a job to cover the cost. You get it. Because we've all done stuff like that. Christian meditation is just taking Scripture and visualizing it in your life rather than worrying of the worst case scenarios we're thinking about the possibilities of if i obey the scripture what would it look like sports psychologists they've used this strategy of visualization for a long time i was a golfer growing up and and dr bob winters was my sports psychologist at the david ledbetter academy he, he would have me stand behind the ball before I would hit a shot, and he would make me visualize hitting a perfect drive, a perfect shot, or, or make a putt. I had to imagine the entire thing play out. I would watch myself take my backswing, go to impact. I would watch the ball fly, how the ball would bounce in the fairway, and if I was visualizing a putt, I would watch the ball curve on the green toward the hole, fall into the middle of the cup, and I would listen to it rattle around. In the cup. You know, I began doing this in my spiritual life when I was in college, and it had massive effects on my obedience. 
If I was dealing with anger, I'd find a scripture on avoiding anger and being patient. And I would visualize myself being obedient to that scripture. I'll think of all the scenarios that it could play out. That way, whenever I got to the moment in real life, it's like I'd already been there. I'd obeyed before in my head, and I knew the right path to obedience. It's like I was practicing obedience to the scriptures before I was even able to do it in real life. You know, we've all got character flaws. We've got gaps in our character. That's normal. But what's really rare is when you find someone who's closing those gaps in their character. Meditation can be a catalyst for closing that gap. It's not the whole picture, but it's a start. Hey, in in your show notes, I think you should have a character list. And, And I want you to pick one or two character areas that you need to grow in. And if you can't find that, I want you to just think of what's a character area that I'm weak in that I need to grow in. And then I want you to think about this. What are some of the negative consequences that you experience because of your sin in this area? The next thing I want you to talk about is, have you ever done Christian meditation before? If so, what was the experience like? All right, so that's our third necessity for training in godliness, memorization and meditation on the Word of God. The next necessity is to focus on habits and process. I read a book recently that spoke about David Foster Wallace, who gave this famous graduation speech called This is Water. It started with this story of two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, Morning, boys. How's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and then one of them eventually looks over at the other and goes, What the heck is water? (laughs) You see, the point of the story and the point of his address was the most obvious and important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see and talk about. We're living in this life according to a regimen of habits, and those habits, they're shaping who we are. It's not these massive moments in our life that are shaping us. It's the normal life the ordinary life, our day-to-day practices that are making us who we are. A study for Duke University said that as much as 40% of our actions that we take every day are not the product of choices, but of habits. So the primary, like the formation of who you are is based on your habits whether they're intentional or not, for better or for worse, your habits are forming your heart. And fortunately for us, there's been a lot of research done about how to form good habits that shape our character for the good rather than erode it. But we have to learn how habits are made, and by repetition, we can become something different. I'll give you an example. You see, my head thinks that I want to be a patient parent. I have three kids, and I, I, want to, I want them to think of me as patient. 
but my old habits shape my heart by consistently reprimanding my kids as I try to get them dressed and ready in the morning and commanding their immediate obedience, which leads to an impatient attitude toward my kids until a new habit shapes my heart to be understanding of their situation. They're just wanting to have fun and sitting still to put on their shoes is taking them away from playtime. You know, I know that example doesn't relate to most of us, but it's a character flaw that I'm currently working through. I want my kids to think of me as patient and kind, not impatient and harsh. But my old habits aren't leading me to godliness. In college, when I first started following Christ, I was focusing on on my tongue, how, how I would speak to others. And, and here's kind of the same format. My, my head thought, I want to be a friend that builds up and encourages others. But my old habits were shaping my heart by making those around me the butt end of all my jokes. I was quick to point out and highlight mistakes or embarrassing things that people did for my own benefit, which left people discouraged rather than built up. Until a new habit shapes my heart to be thoughtful with who I was hanging out with that day. And so I would make an effort to think of something that I could encourage them on or brag on them for. There's, there's a process that happens with building habits. And, and it shows up in Jeremiah 17. I want you to look at this first. Think about this. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to get every man, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You see, there's this process that shows up for both of these men. First, the heat comes. And that's when your, your situation's revealed, your habits come full force. And then it reveals the, the consequences. It either reveals wrong beliefs, thorns in your life, wrong beliefs and consequences of that, or it reveals that you're a flourishing tree, that you believe what God says, and you're experiencing the consequences that are positive in your life. And then both of them experience the fruit of their actions. The man who, who has the wrong beliefs experiences barrenness. The man who trusts the Lord, he experiences the fruit of that godliness. And so I want you to think through your own self. I, I want you to process how to break bad habits and build new ones. The first step to do that is you have to take notice of your current habits and situation. You have to be aware. So 
think for a second. Think specifically of the character area that you need to grow in. And think of a situation where there, this character flaw shows up. When things go wrong in this area, what's the habit or process that typically plays out? How do you respond? What do you believe in that moment? What are the consequences of that habit or belief? Take a moment and write down some thoughts on that. Okay, the next step to build new habits is if you've got to hold up that habit, your current habit, to the Word of God. Like, what does God say you should do in this situation? How should you respond? And how is that different than your current habit? Okay, the next step, I want you to imagine a new habit that obeys God's Word. This is where Christian meditation is really helpful. You imagine yourself being obedient and practicing a new habit that's different than your current one. So I want you to take a moment and imagine yourself being obedient to God's Word in that character area that you thought about. Okay, the last thing I want you to do is I want you to write down some small daily actions, if possible, to practice those habits. One of the most important things about building new habits and growing in godliness is just showing up. Not perfection, not doing it perfect and playing out this, this like amazingly godly life. It's just small incremental changes. That promotes lasting change. Not one big swoop of of a change, but small daily changes that lead to godliness. Habit formation is the thing that is going to make you godly. Habits are, are really the sum total of who you are. If you want to become godly, if you want to be a leader who lasts, you have to change your habits and start taking action to grow in godliness. Some helpful resources for building habits are, one, Atomic Habits. It's an amazing book. It, it gives you the, the step-by-step processes of building and breaking old habits. Uh, I really love that book. That's probably my, my favorite one when it comes to learning about habits. Another one is The Power of Habit. It's very similar. It tells you the anatomy of a habit. Uh, and then a, a more Christian version uh, of that book, and, and talking about some practices and habits that can just form you as a a man of God or a woman of God is the common rule. Uh, it's a really good book. It it kind of talks about building habits of of spiritual discipline and growing in godliness. I, I love that book. So if we want to be leaders who last, we have to begin training ourselves for godliness. So thanks for listening in. I hope you enjoyed it. 
If you're interested in hearing more content from SMC, you can check out all of our breakout sessions on Spotify or Apple Podcasts on the SMC 2022 podcast.